Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to WTIC's Pet Talk. Today, Lori Fast takes your pet behavior questions. This is a show for you and your best friend. Call in now at 522-WTIC, 1-800-966-WTIC, or star WTIC from your cell phone if you have AT&T Wireless. And now, Pet Talk. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Pet Talk. You're listening to Lori Fass on this edition, which is a little confusing. John thought I was going to be Dr. Dennis today, which, if we were having a regular rotation, which we often do, then it would indeed be the veterinary edition. But this month, to accommodate, you know, people have lives outside of the studio, (laughs) Dr. Dennis wasn't able to make today. And uh, we had agreed that uh, I would cover today. So she'll be here next week. Um, And I always tell people that um, if you want to know when I'm going to be on the air, you can go to my website, which is LoriFastDogTraining.com. And I always post it on there. And uh, sometimes I have to double check myself because it's not always an absolute strict rotation. So if you're new to the show, um, this is a unique format because Pet Talk is not always the same host. Um, Most of the shows are, unless they have guests. Sometimes that happens. But uh, it's the veterinary edition and the behavior edition. And it's sometimes a strict rotation, sometimes not. So today is sometimes not. Anyway, um, this is a live show. This is not recorded. Uh, It's not a syndicated show. I'm here at 107 Eastern Standard Time in Farmington, Connecticut. So if you want to call in and speak to me directly, you can do that and be on the air. And all you have to do is call 860-522-WTIC. And every once in a while, um, there is a show that's been pre-recorded or a repeat of a show because sometimes it's not possible for people to get here for a variety of reasons. But most of the shows that are on Saturday during the morning uh, are local and uh you know, I encourage you to call in and share experiences, ask questions. Uh, I love to talk to you. Um, and as I say, if for some reason you have trouble getting through or you don't want to be on the air because you're shy or maybe you can't get to the phone, you can contact me off the air through my website, which has my email and my business phone number. And again, that's LoriFastDogTraining.com. So today it's you want to talk to me directly, all the lines are open, 
WTIC. Anyway, um, just to get the show rolling here, um, recent piece of news, the Labrador Retriever used to be considered the number one breed of dog, most popular, according to the American Kennel Club. Now, the American Kennel Club is a very widely used dog registry, and obviously they have numbers of how many dogs are being registered. And for many years, I can't even remember how far back, uh, the number one dog was a Labrador Retriever. Okay, well, that's interesting, but guess what? That's no longer true. Now, according to the American Kennel Club, the number one breed of dog that's registered with them is the French Bulldog. And, um, well, I mean, that could be just sort of benign news, but I think that one of the things that I would like people to understand is that Bulldogs, French Bulldogs, regular Bulldogs, uh, any of the brachiocephalic breeds, and those are dogs that have the flat faces, that people find so endearing and cute are also subject to a lot of health issues. And uh, I remember recently someone that I know who is very much into bulldog breeds uh, was told by a breeder, well, if you're going to get a French bulldog, you better have an extra maybe $10,000 laying around for whatever medical problems your dog might need. And that's not that far from the truth. Um, I know a lot of bulldogs need um, to have the fleshy palate in the back of their throat reduced for breathing because of breathing problems. And having tracheal problems, having breathing problems can get very serious. Well, apparently uh, in the UK, uh, there's a group called the Brachiocephalic Working Group, and they have developed a test called the Respiratory Function Grading System, I think, system. Um, it's RFGS. So... In the United States, breeders have frequently used the Orthopedic Foundation to um, OFA certify dogs in terms of their hips, in terms of their elbows, dogs that are subject to hip dysplasia and joint problems. And if they can show that the dogs are healthy in that way, the idea is that they're reducing the likelihood that their offspring might have these problems. So... This new test, um, the RFGS, has been sanctioned, I guess, by the Orthopedic Foundation for Animals. They've given them the okay in the U.S. and in Canada, so it's not just in U.K., but I don't think it's really gotten off the ground that much. But, you know, things that are going to cause breathing problems could actually be the not the dog's nostrils are really, really small, or there's, a as I said, a fleshy tissue in the back of their throat, uh, that their windpipe is too narrow. Um, and, you know, this, this can be very serious. This can be actually life-threatening. Um, and I guess the test is basically a pretty simple exam and listening to the dog's breathing. And then the dog is exercised for about three minutes, kind of briskly walked, and then the breathing is now assessed a second time to compare it to how the dog was the first time. And obviously, in order to do this, you have to have somebody that has some idea of exactly what they're listening to and have a good sense of how to to grade this. But I think it's a really good idea um, 
you know, I've seen, you know, as I say, a lot of, I'm going to just say flat out suffering from these bulldog breeds. Um, if you don't know, bulldogs can't eat, bulldogs' heads are so big and their shoulders are so big, they can't even be born normally. They need to be C-sectioned to be brought into this world. And their their features have become so exaggerated that it's, you know, literally harmful to their health. So in my opinion, a lot of this could be mitigated by just not breeding such exaggerated features. Uh, but, you know, people who are bulldog fanciers will say that that's what makes the bulldog the bulldog, which, okay, I guess, but that's it's pretty arbitrary. I mean, any breed of dog was not, the dogs didn't get together and form a committee of other bulldogs and say, this is how we want to be. People decided this is how they're going to look. And if you were to go back, I don't know, look at pictures of bulldogs from the 1920s and compare them to pictures of bulldogs now, and in the in the 1920s, bulldogs had a little bit of a nose going on. Their their the distance from the stop, which is the part of their muzzle that's right below their eyes, and their their muzzle length still short, still looks like a bulldog. But um, currently, if you were to look at a show bulldog, their faces are really really flat. I mean, so flat that. You know, I remember giving a biscuit to a bulldog and I felt like I was dropping it into a drawer because the, the lower jaw stuck out so much. They couldn't, you know, most dogs kind of favor the upper part of their mouth and then scoop it up that way. They had to open up their lower jaw. And I felt like I said, it, it felt like I was dropping it into a drawer. And OK, you know, maybe you think that's cute. I don't know. But it's not really particularly healthy for an animal to be bred to that extreme. So... You know, having the French bulldog now be number one over Labrador retrievers, once an animal becomes popular, that is often just not good for the for the breed of dog at all because um, people now think what a great idea to breed French bulldogs for the purpose of making money and to um, meet the demands of the public. And the more popular a dog becomes, the more subject they are to temperament issues, to health issues, all kinds of things. Um, I've seen this happen to, well, let's see, golden retrievers. Uh, golden retrievers are supposed to be very sociable, friendly family dogs. And over the years, I've seen a lot of well, I'm going to say just not right in the head, golden retrievers. Now, that doesn't mean that a golden retriever automatically is not right in the head, but it certainly doesn't mean that they're automatically friendly, easygoing family dogs either. And I attribute a lot of that to them becoming very popular. Now, in this statistic that I just quoted that came from the AKC, giving French Bulldogs the number one status, this is something that is they, they figure this out based on dogs that are registered with the AKC. So there are some dogs that are not registered with the AKC, notably dogs that are mixed with poodles. So Labradoodles, Golden Doodles, um, people are breeding poodles with sheep dogs, all kinds of things. Uh, you know, I, I guess the idea is that a breeding with a poodle is going to be more likely to produce a uh, – non-shedding hypoallergenic dog, which doesn't always work out that way. But um, golden doodles, labradoodles, in my opinion, have become extremely popular and they may be more popular than French bulldogs. 
And you wouldn't know that through the AKC because technically they are a mixed breed of dog and they're not registered with the AKC. So AKC does not have statistics on that. So I don't know where you would get statistics on that. But just in my experience, um, I've probably seen more doodle type dogs than any other breed of dog in the last few years. And once again, um, and this isn't just isolated from my experience. I've talked to other pet professionals who do, you know, dog sitting or veterinarians or people that are out in the field. And uh, because they've become so exceedingly popular, um, they've suffered as a result of that. And, uh, you know, they can be great dogs. You know, don't get me wrong. I've met a lot that are really, really great pets. But I've also met a lot of them who have very bad temperaments. And so you know, I've said before, you can't pick a dog based on it's a this breed or a that breed. And it's going to mean that absolutely it's going to be, you know, look up the characteristics of, you know, from a book or a website. What are these breeds supposed to be like? Any individual dog could deviate from that tremendously. And if people are trying to produce dogs to meet the demand, they're going to be overbred and a lot of things are going to be put to the side. Um, I remember speaking to, um, actually it was a golden doodle breeder and uh, one of her dogs had some resource guarding issues and bit somebody. It wasn't horrible. It didn't, you know, rip the person's hand up, but it wasn't good. And, um, you know, I told her my opinion was that uh, whoever were the parents of this dog, if they're producing a dog like that, that's not an ideal pet. You know, maybe we can work with it. That's what I do. If somebody comes with to a problem, they have a problem with their pet. I want to try and help them, but I don't want to produce more of these. If somebody brings a dog to a veterinarian, they have health problems. Of course, the veterinarian's going to want to help them, but we don't want to breed more of this. And so I guess I'm just because I saw that, uh, you know, French Bulldogs, number one registered breed. I just want to caution people that uh, you need to be very careful if you buy a French Bulldog. I'm sure their temperaments are going to start being affected, too. And even under the best of circumstances, those types of dogs have a lot of health problems. And uh, you really need to think about that if you are going to be able to incur that kind of expense before embarking on getting one of these kinds of dogs. And with that, I think maybe we're going to go to a break. Hello and welcome back to WTIC's Pet Talk. You're listening to the Behavior Edition with Lori Fast today, and I'm in the studio live on, what is today, the 18th? Yep, the 18th at 1.23 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, not pre-recorded, not a repeat show. So if you want to call in, you are more than welcome to do so at 8605 22 WTIC. Again, 860522 WTIC. I'll be here until about two. And so if you have a question or a comment or something you want to share, 
<clears throat> I'm always happy to hear from you. Anyway, before the break, I was just talking a little bit about bulldogs, <laughs> hence the song, um, the Beatles song, Hey Bulldog, and just cautioning people to be very careful if you get one of the brachycephalic breeds, which are the dogs with the pushed-in faces, who have a lot of health issues. Um, and I also mentioned that any breed of dog that becomes extremely popular often has a lot of problems. So just cautionary tale, be careful. Anyway, during the week, um, I was talking to some folks not on the air, and um, it's interesting the kinds of questions that people pose to me or bring up as issues. And one of the conversations I had was with somebody who was going to put their dog on Prozac. Now, I'm, it's not my area of expertise to prescribe medication for behavior issues. Um, I would assume that in some cases it might be warranted and um, in some cases not. I remember many years ago, in fact, the veterinarian that prescribed this is not not around anymore. I don't alive, dead, and certainly not in practice. And I met someone who had a uh, Samoyed, and the dog was ten months old and very puppyish, as one would expect from a ten month old Samoyed. They lived in an apartment. They pretty much did not exercise the dog, and so the dog was had a lot of energy. Which okay, you know most. Most 10-month-old dogs do. I mean, some are more calm than others, but uh, this dog, to me, was acting like a normal dog. And again, this was a long time ago, but the veterinarian had the dog on phenobarbital. And the reason was, so the dog was loopy and sedated all the time, and the person was glad to do this. I mean, to me, that's abuse. Um, you know, you have a dog who's a relatively large breed dog. It needs exercise. If you don't want to exercise it, then perhaps you should have gotten a little tiny dog that can exercise by running laps around your living room or a very sedate dog, an older dog, something like that. So phenobarbital is just like a knockout drug. Um, I think that maybe it's, you know, has some uses for I don't know what. You can call Dr. Dennis next week, ask her if that's being <laughs> prescribed for dogs. But to just calm a dog down, no, come on now. And so this particular conversation I had about Prozac uh, had to do with a dog who I'm going to say is a little territorial, distrusting of strangers, and not really comfortable when people are coming over. And so, you know, to me, Prozac is... We're dealing with anxiety. We're dealing with fear. We're dealing with something that an animal's having trouble settling down. So, is that the case with this dog who is being overprotective and territorial? In my opinion, that's the dog's personality. Uh, if the dog is getting Prozac and is a little feeling a little more loosey goosey, I don't know. Who's to say that the dog might now? be a little bit less inhibited in some of the ways that it's been acting out, which is kind of coming up behind people and nipping their their clothing. Um, but I don't, in, in my view, this dog's behavior isn't anxiety, it's the dog's personality. And the dog's personality needs to be trained and managed appropriately. Not all dogs like everybody. Um, sometimes people think you're going to train a dog to like everybody. You're not. 
I remember an episode on there's TV trainer shows. I always complain about them because of the way they're edited or presented. But I think it was Canine Intervention. The first episode was this dog that did not like strangers. And they did training. Um, but they also, more importantly, taught the owner of the dog how to properly introduce the dog. The dog was on a leash. The dog was not – the person greeting the dog was not allowed to just get right up into the dog's face. We had to wait till the dog settled down. Um, and there was a whole procedure involved. So it wasn't like we took a dog who – didn't like strangers and we trained him to like strangers. And the funny thing was after that show aired, people were calling me thinking that that is what they were looking at. Um, and I said, is that what you thought? Did you think that that dog was now trained to be okay with people? And they said, yeah. And I said, no, you have to look at this a little more carefully. This dog is trained to understand commands so we can use commands to help control the behavior and introduce people properly. So that's not, you know, we didn't change the dog's behavior. The dog doesn't trust strangers. A lot of dogs don't. Um, I don't think that shows that, you know, there's something wrong with them. That, that's just who they are. You know, I, I know people that have the opposite. They have dogs that are really, really friendly, and they want them to be some kind of territorial guard dog. Well, sorry, not going to happen. <laughs> you know, so there are certain things that animals have that's part of their basic nature that we need to work with and accept, and not try to medicate away or try to change because it's not going to happen. But anyway, we're going to need to go to a break, and you're listening to Pet Talk, and this is the Behavior Edition. We will be right. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back. Silver buttons all down a bag. Hello, and welcome back to WTIC's Pet Talk. You're listening to Lori Fass on this behavior edition of the show. And I was explaining earlier that um, 
I usually do a strict rotation with uh, Dr. Dennis from Bloomfield, who, if we were doing a strict rotation, would have been on today, but she will be on next week. So if you have some medical issues or questions you want to discuss, that would be a good time to call in. I'm not sure what the schedule is going to be for April, but uh, when I know, I post it on my website, LoriFastDogTraining.com, and I also tell people that if you don't want to call in but you do want to talk to me, uh, just look for my contact information from my website, and I'm happy to do that, and a lot of people have taken me up on that. Uh, But if you want to call into the show, it is live I'm here. I'm here till 2. Lines are open and the numbers are 860-522-WTIC. That's 860-522-WTIC. So I was talking earlier about some of the calls that I get and people I talk to during the week, um, not on the air. And uh, an, I was talking earlier about uh, somebody who was thinking about putting their dog on um Prozac. And I don't know how that's going to turn out for them. But, uh, you know, if I were if I were going to pick, I don't think I would have put their dog on Prozac. <laughs> but we'll find out. I'm going to find out because I'm still in touch with this person. And uh, we'll see. Um, but another question that I had was uh, from somebody who was taking his dog, a Labrador, to doggy daycare. And the doggy daycare people told him that his dog was acting inappropriately and was continuously licking dogs, I'm assuming in their face, over and over and over and over again. And the other dogs were growling and recoiling and weren't really big fans of this, yet his dog persisted in, in doing this. And um, he, the doggy daycare said uh, that uh, the dogs didn't like it and were getting annoyed with his dog. And doggy daycare in general is not a place where too much intervention goes on. In general, it's either your dog fits in or they don't. And it's oftentimes quite crazy. And a lot of dogs don't fit in for a whole variety of reasons, none of which, in my opinion, is make makes the dog a bad dog. It's just either a dog is comfortable in that environment or they're not. So when he called me to discuss this problem, the first thing I wanted to know is, was the doggy daycare saying to him, your dog licks and annoys other dogs and therefore isn't welcome? Or was the doggy daycare saying, your dog is licking and annoying other dogs and someday one of the dogs might nip your dog's face and your dog might come home with a nice little ding mark? Um, and how do you feel about that? So he, did, he didn't know the answer to that question. I said, well, you know, I, you might want to ask and you might want to consider how you do feel about that. Um, I don't think it's strange for dogs to get disciplinary with one another. If a dog is sensitive to what another dog is trying to tell them, usually a posturing or a growl or a snap is sufficient, and the the respectful dog will then back off and they get they get the message. But dogs that are just a little more ditzy and don't quite get it, they'll just keep pushing it. And sometimes that can lead to problems. So I'm going to assume that most of the dogs in this doggy daycare have been screened to a point that they're not going to take this annoying, licky dog's face off, but they might nip them. And that might not even necessarily be inappropriate. But if if you drop your dog off and you come home and now the dog has a ding mark on its face, you might want to know that in advance. So, you know, I I suggested that... uh, 
you know, he he look he he ask and think about that question, and then he was thinking in terms of training, and he was thinking in terms of you know if if his dog knew leave it, and if his dog knew come, then the people at the doggy daycare could tell the dog to leave it and could tell the dog come, and apparently the dog's skill set with those commands were, was kind of not that hot, but I said to to the guy I was talking to about his dog. Well, let's just say that you train your dog to a perfect come command, listens to you around distractions every time, all the time. And same thing with leave it. Let's just say you do that. You did it, not them. So sometimes people think of training in in very weird kind of ways. They think of it, it's like some kind of absolute programming where if a dog is trained, they're going to listen to the word. And, you know, I remember some movie, I don't even know what it was, but there was somebody leaving a, a voice message and the dog heard some code word and the code word meant attack. And then the dog heard this on the answering machine or whatever and then went after. So, well, that's so ridiculous. That, I mean, dogs can think things through. And just because a dog is trained for you doesn't mean they're trained for somebody else. So, I remember um, this was quite some time ago, but uh, somebody had wanted me to work with his German shepherd and uh, he wanted me to work with his 16-year-old daughter. And I said, okay, but, you know, sometimes 16-year-olds aren't that responsible. I can't guarantee she's going to do the work. Oh, she's going to do the work. Okay. All right. And then I said, and in addition, particularly a breed like a German shepherd – Whoever does the training is going to be who the dog will respect and listen to. So if your daughter does a really good job, that doesn't mean your dog's going to listen to you. And the guy that was hiring me just didn't want to hear it because I guess he thought everybody listened to him. Anyway, turns out his daughter did a really, really good job and the dog listened beautifully to her. And then one day, the dog was in the backyard and this guy who had hired me went out in the backyard and called his dog, dog, didn't want to hear it. You never trained me. I don't know what you're talking about. Why should I listen to you? Which in some ways seems fair to me. If you don't put the work in, you don't develop the relationship. Why should the dog listen to you? So that irritated him. But really, what really pushed him over the edge is when his 16-year-old daughter went out into the backyard and called the dog and the dog came immediately. So, you know, he was on the phone to me, this is how I know this, and he was really mad at me. And uh, I had to recall the conversation that I had with him initially, which is pretty much an I told you so and that this was going to happen, which he didn't believe me. And, you know, I don't know if he felt any better, probably not. But um, training is not some kind of absolute programming and why should your dog just listen to anybody who says anything? I wouldn't. I don't even want them to, to be honest with you. Um, I, I had a Labrador years ago who was good friends with my neighbor, and my neighbor likes dogs. And my Labrador, as many retrievers, like to play ball. So he would go over and bring the ball to my neighbor, and my neighbor would throw the ball, and he'd go get the ball and bring it back to the neighbor and then tease the neighbor and like walk back and ha ha I have the ball but I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> and I said to the neighbor if you want him to give it to you you have to take his collar and tell him drop it and show him that you actually mean for him to drop it. Um and instead the neighbor would just very tentatively say drop it and so 
the dog's, ah, you don't mean it. It's a big joke. <laughs> and so when the neighbor would play ball with my dog and he brought the dog back to the neighbor, I had to say drop it. And then the dog dropped it. And then, of course, the neighbor picked it up and threw it again. So does he? did my dog not know drop it? No, he knew drop it when I said it. But it's not, again, it's not like some absolute, we programmed your computer, you push this button and your dog does it. It really does not work that way at all. And I think people have some very strange notions about what training is. Um, One example I use is if you've ever seen the dressage horses, the Lipizzan stallions, they're white and they do all these fancy kicks and movements and you know this is a this is a highly trained horse and the dressage riders that are doing this are also very skilled at riding well i mean i can tell you right now if i got onto the back of one of these horses there's no way that i'm going to get them to do maybe any of that stuff uh, because i have no idea what i'm doing and the horse knows this and once again why should they all right. So, you know, people who think, well, I'm going to I'm going to just send my dog somewhere and they're going to get trained. Well, if you have a very cooperative dog who is not an opportunist um, and if they understand what a command is, then we'll transfer it to you. Then, OK, maybe. But that's not always the case. And there's some things about that. And I think some of the things about that can, you know, get people very confused. And there's a whole nother element to this, which is, uh, I call it the emperor's new clothes effect with dog training. But I think what we're going to do is why don't we go to a break and I'll get into more detail when we come back. I don't care. I shot right by with my tail in the air. Hello, and welcome back to WTIC's Pet Talk. You're listening to the Behavior Edition with Lori Fass, and I'm here for another 10 minutes, so you can still call in if you want at 860-522-WTIC, or if you want to contact me off the air, just check out my website for my email and business phone at LoriFassDogTraining.com. So I was just reflecting on some of the conversations that I've had with people through the week and some of the misconceptions that people have. And um, one of the ways of training that seems to be becoming more popular is where you have somebody else train your dog for you. And before the break, I was explaining how training is not an absolute where a dog listens to one person, it's going to listen to another person. Um, And there's a lot more to it than that. I remember I had worked with somebody who had a German Shepherd, very nice dog, um, but a little bit independent, pushy, not necessarily cooperative. And she had paid some fair amount of money in the thousands to have this dog boarded and trained. And um, I asked her, well, when you went to pick up your dog, did they demonstrate what they had trained your dog to do? And she said, no. And so again, she was probably operating under the assumption that if you say a word, your dog's going to follow the word because now they're trained. But we don't know how that works at all. And generalizing things can be, you know, something that dogs change one little variable. So for example, I work with a lot of dogs who were trained to sit 
when they're facing you, looking at you, you're making a motion like you have a treat, may or may not have a treat, but if they're looking at you and you're making that motion and they're facing you and you say set, oh, okay, yeah, okay, I'll do that. But if they're turning or they're on the side of you or behind you and say sit, they will either not sit at all and look at you like they have no idea what you're talking about or they'll come around to the front of you and sit the way you originally taught them. And so context issues need to be taken into into account so that you understand what your dog understands. So for example, when I teach a down, as in lie down command, it's easier to do it if the dog is already sitting, uh, half their body is down, and most people do it that way. But once they get that, I might add, well, let's teach the dog down from a standing position. Well, guess what? If you have a very cooperative dog and you say down and they're standing, they will sit and then lie down, okay? Not too many dogs will go from down from standing just to a plop down position because they weren't trained that way. It wasn't the context. So if you don't see how these things are put together, I don't see how you can possibly have any kind of good outcome. So for some reason, they did not show her. I can only speculate why not. But even if you have your dog trained by somebody and they show you, uh, you now need to try it. Okay, this is what I showed your dog to do, and I'm going to show you how to do it. And now I'm going to give your dog to you, and you're going to do the same thing that I just did. And if you can't do that, well, yeah, we got a problem here. And anytime you do any sort of board and train, you ought to have some sort of supportive help, some further follow-up lessons so that you actually know what you're supposed to do, which leads me into the next idea of training, which is that I think that people think, again, as sort of training is an absolute. Once you train your dog, they know it. They're never going to forget it. Well, no, there's maintenance. Training your dog is more like um, you went on a diet and you lost some weight. <clears throat> okay, well, you lost some weight. That's great. Now, if you go right back to eating the way you were, guess what? <laughs> it's all going to go away. Or you clean your house top to bottom. It's now sparkling clean. Well, if you never do it again, it's not going to stay that way. And, you know, if you organize your house and everything's all sparkling clean and you got rid of all the clutter, it's certainly easier to maintain under those circumstances. But all training requires a certain amount of maintenance. And how much maintenance is really going to depend on the individual dog. So, for example, I work with dogs who... They really want to do what you want them to do. And honestly, I don't work with a lot of dogs like that. But sometimes I'll work with a dog that has a particular problem. For example, I worked with a little poodle whose housebreaking habits were horrendous. um, And that's why I was hired. But this dog was excellent at coming. Not because I trained it, not because they trained it, but because the dog had no interest in strangers Other dogs chasing squirrels had no particular prey drive. So if the dog liked you and you said the dog's name, that dog would be there in a flash. So, you know, you could say, oh, yeah, look at me. I trained my dog to come. Well, you just lucked out. That's what your dog wants to do. So if I add a come command to that, that's all well and good. That's probably not going to require a lot of maintenance because that's what your dog wants to do anyway. But if you have a dog who's opportunistic, And what that means is your dog is literally looking for opportunities to not do what you say because they have another agenda. 
you know, there's a certain degree of cooperativeness that comes with, I think, all domestic creatures, but how cooperative and how willing they are to do what you say varies hugely from dog to dog. And when I'm training with people, I say, let's say we've got a graph and the top of the graph is your dog does what you say first time, every time, perfectly, exactly how you want. And let's say there's a middle part of the graph, and the middle part of the graph is you have to repeat yourself. It's the dog is slow. Maybe he's not that great. And then below that middle portion is forget it. Your dog's not going to listen at all. Well, most people maintain training at that middle sort of have to tell you nine times, you know, dog gets around to it eventually. Then when your dog has a bad day, when you need to do some maintenance work, your dog will dip into nothing, not going to do anything you say. Whereas if you maintain training at a higher level than what you might actually care about, then when your dog has a bad day, when your dog starts getting sloppy, you have some wiggle room. And I don't care what kind of method you use for training, unless your dog really wants to do whatever it is you're asking them to do on their own anyway, you're going to have to do some kind of maintenance work. Um, Then the other thing that I had mentioned before the break, which I I named the – emperor's new clothes effect, which I honestly have a little trouble understanding, but I've seen it time and time again. So if you know the story of the emperor's new clothes, these shyster people show up and con the emperor into allowing them to sew him this fabulous gown, fabulous robe, and uh, they tell the emperor that um, only the best people can see it. And, you know, Stupid people, they can't, they cannot see this material. <laughs> and so there is no material. It's, it's made up. It's invisible. And so the story goes that the emperor is now going down the parade in his fabulous fabricated nothingness, completely naked. And nobody wants to say, um, hey, you, you're naked. What, what gives here? Because now you're, you're a stupid person and only the best people can see these fabulous robes. Well, how does that apply to dog training? Well, <laughs> it's a strange phenomenon here, but I have met more than a few people who have laid out large sums of money and sometimes maybe not even large sums of money and now believe that their dog is fabulously trained. <laughs> and I'll watch them with their pets and they're telling their dog to come. Dog's not coming. They'll tell their dog to sit. Dog not sitting. <laughs> They'll give out various different commands. And after saying these things, and absolutely, this dog is not doing any of these things that they just said, they will now declare to me, oh, see, look how well my dog is trained. And I don't even know what we're looking at here. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But, you know, sometimes people's awareness and perception of what they see is so skewed. Um, I, I have a friend who is a dog trainer, and uh, she said that. A similar thing happened to her where somebody had sent their dog away and he was bragging. I spent $3,000 to train my dog. And then he took his dog off leash, let the dog run loose in the middle of one of her classes, and the dog was creating chaos. And uh, he was wanting to show off how well-trained his dog was. And he kept calling the dog. The dog wasn't listening at all. And he was saying, see how well my dog is trained? And, yeah, we see how well your dog is not trained. (laughs) But yet, that was what he was saying. And I I really don't get that. I don't get that at all. So, I mean, sometimes I think maybe people are codependent with their dog's 
bad behaviors, uh, that's that's a whole other thing that, you know, probably could devote a whole show to. But, you know, I mean, you have to be realistic. You have to really look at what you're looking at is if you say come, is your dog actually coming or is your dog running away and coming eventually? You know, some people think if their dog doesn't run into the next county and comes back 10 minutes later after it chased squirrels, that that's come. That is not a come command at all. If you, I had one of my students and I was like embarrassed, please don't say you trained your dog with me. She said, sit about five times. Her dog got tired and lied down because it wanted to get comfortable. And she said, see that? Look how well my dog is trained. And it's like, I, I didn't even I, I did not even say anything <laughs> because I didn't know what to say. I was speechless. But anyway, that is the Emperor's New Clothes effect that I have seen with people with their dogs, which I haven't quite figured out how to deal with. But, um, you know, sometimes people want to believe something and uh, that's what they see, even though, you know, the obvious thing is it's not there. So I'm going to leave you with that thought, and uh, next week tune in to the Veterinary Edition, and uh, I'll put up the schedule for April as soon as I know on my website, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a good one. Bye-bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.